He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 136 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson. I'm joined with Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. How's it going? Good. Uh, it's all about the US Open this week. Um, so we're going to pretty much get straight into it in a second. But before we do, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, the Twitter handle is a Good Talk Golf. And the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. So there'll be a lot of interaction, I feel, over the weekend, Barry, by you on the Twitter uh, with everything US Open. We'll do what we can from the west of Ireland. Because we are going down for our annual uh, weekend trip to Belmullet for the Carn Pro Am. Looking forward to it? Yeah, it's kind of like a golf junkie weekend, isn't it? It's like playing a, one of our favourite golf courses in the world, and the US Open is on when we're not playing golf. So it's, uh, everyone's, it's just a big celebration of golf. And I. I yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I love I love doing the 12, 13 hours of couch time watching a major, but at the same time, we get to play one of our favourite courses in the world, so it's a pretty good uh, mix between the two. Yeah, I, I'd rather that the US Open wasn't on the weekend we're going to Cairn, simply because we end up in the pub and James, we don't really get to watch it. James, and... I would too, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to just drag and pull the positive out of this situation. It drives me nuts that the US Open's on the weekend we play Cairn because there's nothing I would enjoy more than to sit on the couch on my own, telling everybody else to off and leave me alone while I watch US Open. To be but fair, I'd say there's quite a few people in our group that would be more than happy to leave you on the couch on your own. <laughs> this is, it's a win-win then, you know, in that situation. Look, um, it's a little bit of a pain that we don't get, you don't, you do get, you do end up missing quite a bit of it, so... Um, it but makes it, watching the, how the US Open was won during the week even more interesting. Quite enlightening, because it tells <laughs> it you who wins it, yeah, because you might not necessarily... No, look, it's, it's a great weekend, and there's a really good buzz around the town. It's a tiny little Irish Irish town. We'll talk more about it next week when we're back from it. They've done a few little tweaks to the golf course as well, and as if it could get any better, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, so we're looking forward to it. So, look, keep in contact with us at A Good Talk Golf is the uh, Twitter handle, and A Good Talk Spoiled at gmail.com is the email account. We'll definitely post up a few photos of the course just to... I got brag or you know or people can slag us for being uh, playing golf and not watching golf and if the weather's really bad and it looks sunny in the photo it's just being stolen straight from a website absolutely <laughs> uh, so look we're going to skip all news we're going to do all of that next week let's just get into the US Open right now this is taking place at Urn Hills and uh, Barry for people who don't know what Erin Hills is. Erin Hills? It's no, it's not big Erin Hills. Erin Hills. Erin Hills. Oh, God, we're going All-American. Erin yeah, Hills. Erin Hills. Yeah. Uh, it's up in Milwaukee in the Northwest. Uh, what kind of course is this? Is this? Has this been used on other tournaments in the past? Will anybody have seen this on a PGA Tour? Or is this simply kind of one of these new courses that kind of come along at US Opens and then are never seen again? Um, This is... This is a pretty new style of course. It's a bit of an unknown factor for um, for everybody, which I guess would explain why people are struggling to compare it to one particular course or a few different types of courses, and you're getting various styles of descriptions about it. And that's also why I'm kind of avoiding trying to describe it myself. It it will remind people a little bit of Whistling Straits, that kind of raw look to it with the raw and finished bunkers. It's undulating to the degree that Chamber Hills, you know, that might you might rem- remind you a bit of it. Although it doesn't have the factor that drove people nuts about Chamber Hills, with being the greens that somebody described as putting across broccoli. And um, these greens are supposed to be some of the purest that the guys have ever seen. And there is word that they could run up to fourteen on the stimp meter. Um, I guess the USGA will be very careful about the greens this week, based on. The last couple of years of messing around they've had, and particularly with Oakmont last year and their ridiculously fast greens and the whole Dustin Johnson fiasco, which we won't go into too much. But by all accounts, these greens are going to be fantastic, and we would hope might see a few more putts made this week. So um, all the noises coming from the USGA would indicate we might, you know, if the, if the weather cooperates, you might see a winning score that could be a few under par, maybe six, seven, or eight under par. 
um, as opposed to the sometimes really, really strong test that might have the winning score finish at like plus one like it was in Marion. So might see a few more birdies this week and a little bit of excitement, but that's not to say this golf course won't be able to absolutely destroy people when things aren't going right for them. But the likes of this course, it's it looks very linksy insofar yeah. as, you know, lots of kind of, you know, that long kind of grabby grass in the rough. You know, if you're too far off the fairway, you, you could be hacking it out mm. and only just hacking it out. The bunkers are deep. There's plenty of them. There's going to be a lot of, you know, it might be that people aren't complaining about the greens this year. It might be something else that they're complaining about, that it just becomes a bit too penal if they miss a fairway slightly that it could like I take for example we were just watching a video you know the front bunker on the the front left bunker on the par 3 ninth you know that is like anybody who hasn't seen it go on to the US Open website and have a look that that that's a number that could end up being 678 yeah yeah and there's a few there's look you're never going to please all the people all the time and I, I guess that's kind of you know, if you're trying to push the boundaries on course design, you might end up making a couple of small errors. Um, this bunker on the ninth you were talking about has a very, you know, a couple of kind of it's basically like a drainage. It's like uh, so it, like yeah. it's, a, it's like a ditch it's that like, you you can't you can't get your club in underneath the ball. Like it's it's kind of like a fjord between two lakes or something, or a little passage or river between two lakes, which are the bigger parts of the bunker, and therefore you can't attack the ball properly. You can't even stand in this section. Yeah, so it's. Um, and look, and everybody's seen the the posts like like from Kevin Na and Lee Westwood about the crazy fescue grass just to just to the side of the rough, which is really thick and heavy and deep. And that's you know go a few further yards further into the rough, and it actually lightens up a bit. So that that really um, lush fescue has happened because of all the you know the, the fertilizer will have oversprayed onto that, and that's just got the best growing conditions and the best of everything to help it grow and it's grown really thick but into the regular you know go even more errant and you might be okay now the thing is that that rough there the really heavy fescue rough is a hazard but these are actually this course has been designed with wind in mind it's built for wind to be there so the fairways are commensurately wider to accommodate this um Rest, you know, Steve Bamford of Golf Betting System, um, reading a little bit of his research on the course, he said that the fairways are averaging, you know, somewhere between 42 and 50 yards wide. So this is a, there's plenty of area to hit into, even though they're undulating. You need to hit to the right spots in the fairway to have your ball finish in the right place. Uh, they're expecting the course to be really firm and fast, possibly not going to be that firm and as firm and fast as they anticipated with a little bit of rain arriving this week. But there's still a good bit of uh, it's not gonna it won't play to that effect of yard, the yardage that it has on the card of seven thousand six hundred and ninety something yards, and the USGA have said they're going to move the tees around quite a bit. So I think they'll be they'll be a little bit more cautious because it's a new course to all the players in a professional men's tournament, and they've had the couple of boo boos in the last couple of years. So um, it might be one of the more lenient opens despite the fact the course has the ability to bite people in the ass it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, i think it'll be a pretty it's a pretty spectacular looking piece of uh piece of land and it'll be a very different style us open from ones that we've seen recently so if we look at just you know because you're saying about it being firm and fast probably not as firm as fast as they were expecting there's going to be you know uh, there's going to be thunderstorms through today this is tuesday there's thunderstorms through Wednesday as well, um, 80% chance of, of, of rain. And Thursday is fine. It's, it's going to be cloudy, but it's, it's going to be fine. And then you're looking at thunderstorms and showers from Friday through to Sunday. So a lot of wind over the weekend, 14, 17 miles per hour. It's really going to be a person who might end up on the right end of the draw. Is this going to be a bit like the Open Championship in, you know, in, in July where if you're on the wrong side you might just get the big swirls of, of rain thunderstorms is going to have delays are you on in the mm. clubhouse finished and then the delays come are you getting up at five in the morning to finish your round from the day before is that the kind of you know is that the kind of weekend that we might end up with looking at that weather forecast it's been changing a lot in the last kind of couple of days so it could continue to change at the moment 
delayed early versus early late still seems reasonably balanced like you get a, a lighter wind early but you get a heavier wind late and then you know two middling ones on the opposite of the draw so it seems pretty balanced at the moment um in i don't know it's good to get a fast start in these tournaments and if you can post that score from your early time on thursday it really helps and gives you great momentum you've got time to relax before your later tea time on friday you know playing late thursday early friday can be can be tough putting those two rounds so close together in in the clock um but if you've got momentum then it's easy to do it so it's yeah it's uh right now it's sitting out kind of balanced it's not incredibly biased like an open championship can be on the draw when you can see it really showing that there's a huge bias towards one half of the draw so um yeah it's 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 not too affecting a factor just it, like you said it depends though if the thunderstorms arrive in and some players could yet be finished to, yet to have finished their second round when it comes to Saturday and other guys are just laid up just chilling out and you know happy, happy days they don't have to worry about getting up early to finish their round I suppose for people who are fans of, uh, of lefty Big Phil it's unlikely that these thunderstorms are going to help him make his tea time on Thursdays. It looks like the, the thunderstorms are coming in a day early for him. So I think whoever's I think, next in the line is getting their game. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably safe to say that at this stage. And um, looking at the, you know, with, with the course, you were kind of showing that, look, there's three, four, five, even six tea boxes on each of the holes. So mm. the ability over the course of the four days... For the the organizers to manipulate the length and the direction, and you were saying to me that the flexibility that they put in for tee boxes was done deliberately because of the wind. Um, a good decision, a good idea. You know that they will be able to move it around, maybe make it a bit easier if 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 the weather and the wind picks up to to make it a bit of a spectacle rather than a bit of a hacking job in in tough weather. Oh yeah, look, it's. <laughs> It is it's really clever design and the, the they're willing to embrace the flexibility of a golf course and they don't it doesn't have to be the longest it doesn't have to be the shortest it just has to be a good challenge and I mean I think we've seen over the last few years and Mike Davis the USGA direct, director really likes to present um, options to players and he thinks by presenting options to players it actually makes things more difficult than giving them a one way out uh, of situation so. You're going to see this week that the around the greens is shaved back. You're not going to be faced with the what we've what has been come you know to be known as traditional U.S. Open rough in, in in recent years. Although that's starting to change a bit, so you know the ball could run off 20, 30 yards, and you could like Pinehurst number two in two thousand fourteen. You could put it. You could take a a fairway wood. You can bump it in with a little you know mid iron. You can. Well, it means shot. it plays to a lot of different skills that are out there. You, you, Absolutely. You, you, you don't just play to the to the one guy's uh, or one end of the field. Yeah. It's it's going to... And it tests your commitment to your choice as well. If you're given options, it can put doubt in your mind. So it really tests your commitment to, to striking your short game shot or striking your shot in the way that you've picked and chosen and, and committing fully to it. I mean, and another thing about the commitment is this course will have a lot of blind tee shots half blind tee shots you know half blind second shots as well so you might not see the base of the pin you might only be able to, you might not even see the pin that you're going at so it really forces you to commit to your shot and any sort of weak effort is going to be punished so every time we talk about well most tournament weeks but particularly around the majors we look at the attributes you know mm. and we always talk about you know the usual high greens and regulation scrambling from distance three point avoidance Certainly here, getting rid of any big, big blowout numbers that yeah. kind of your sixes, your sevens, your eights that, that will just kill any momentum you have. But actually, is this course then, with the likes of those, you know, not being able to see the base of the pin, having those choices, how much in this week over other weeks is the caddy going to be important to the player to reassure them? Because we always talk about, mm. say, Jordan Spieth and his caddy, that that is such a close combination that... They, they give each other the confidence that he says, you know, this is what you're going to do and you can do it, focus on it. And, do it. and that he takes, Jordan Speed takes that confidence from his caddy when they can't see the bottom of the pin, when they have four or five choices, how important will the caddy be to say, you got the right one, you know, just commit to it and see what happens rather than kind of going, oh yeah, 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 whatever you feel yourself there, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good shout. Um, 
I, I we see it year in year out. The U.S. Open is a real a, a, a real tough test of golf, and it tests the patience of players and the mental game. And it's uh, I guess is who can handle the the swings and roundabouts. And, and the the speed bumps you're going to encounter on the way, and yeah, a, a good a good caddy is going to be uh, is going to be pretty crucial here this week. Yeah, it's a really good shout. So if we look at the players and let's look at the market for a second, because I suppose this is always kind of the hard bit for us, because there's always so many people that you can start saying, oh, this person has this or this person has it. But let's look at the market for the moment. Taking Paddy Power, Dustin Johnson is uh, is the favourite at thirteen to two. Defending champion, obviously, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Speed, twelve to one, Jason Day, fourteen to one, John Ram, eighteen to one, Ricky Fowler, twenty to one, Justin Rose, twenty two to one, Sergio, twenty five to one, Henrik Stenson, twenty eight to one, Matsuyama and Adam Scott, thirty to one, Justin Thomas, thirty three to one, uh, Brandon Grace and Brooks Kepka. Pete, uh, Thomas Peters, all forty to one, Paul Casey, forty five to one. Phil still there at fifty to one, um, and then you've got the South African boys who stays in and Swartzel at at fifty to one. Kevin Kisner at fifty five to one with Shane Lowry and Alexander Narn, um, and then we'll 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 go out from there if necessary. And um, a bit of a spread, you know, like it's it's uh, as you say, this is an unknown for a lot of the uh, the players. It's a, an unknown for a lot of the viewers. Clearly, the bookies aren't a hundred percent sure where to go with the betting on this one. Uh, a lot it, it of kind of twelves, fourteens, eighteens. You know, it looks no, a bit hedgy, doesn't it? It yeah. does. Like it's, it looks like one that you could put a few bob on an outsider and he could come through, or you could waste a lot of money putting it on. Kind of like when was Rory McIlroy twelve to one at a at a major? Like it's, it's a hell of a, and even Dustin Johnson thirteen to to two. What's that? Seven and a half to one. Six and a half to one. But he's available up to eight to one in places. You know, so he's a little bit unknown this week with uh, his wife just having given birth there. Was it yesterday or today? And you know, he's done his prep, but there's obviously going to be a bit of. Uh, well, the mind's going to be elsewhere. Exactly. You know, that's the reality of it. And you know, you know um, so uh, it it could, it could be the thing that just focuses him in and spurs him on but well, um, his miscut there recently is going to worry people a little bit yeah like obviously we don't have Dustin from the Masters he continued his form when he came back mm. you know um, how much the off field stuff would that be a worry to you or do you know in the modern era the likes of Dustin and all of these guys are so prepped for this is the week I want to win Everything is always working towards the four majors. I'm in that routine. And he'd have known, mm-hmm. you know, nine months ago that there was a chance that this was going to happen. It was all planned. Um, so he, he knows that this was going to occur. So is that an issue for you or is it one that you kind of say, look, I'm not back in Dustin anyway because I'm not sure that the putting is there at the moment or that the scrambling is there? Or are you saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, he's he's ticking a lot of boxes for me at the moment, even at kind of thirteen to two or eight to one. The the recent wobble with the miss cut would worry a little bit. How long could he have sustained that ridiculous form he was on? And that might be, uh, I don't know, a hint of him going off the boil a little bit. Um, like here's a guy who's who's done well in the last two yeah, US yeah. Open. So you know he's he's a guy who likes the, these types of challenges on these types of courses. The course won't phase him. Um, the knockback is. Do you think that's just a confidence thing? You know, is it going to test his his metal that you know he can just jump back on it, or do you think he's kind of going? Ah, do you know what? It was always going to come to an end at some point, and I got two extra days off, and I was practicing, or I did whatever had to be done. Um, yeah, the stat the stats are kind of against him as well. There's only um, two players have ever defended the U.S. Open: Ben Hogan and Curtis Strange. So. You know he's he's going against that, and then only one world number one in the la- has won the U.S. Open in the last thirteen tries, and that's uh, Tiger Woods. So he's he's up against stats, stats. You know records are there to be broken. I just something it just doesn't feel like he's he's a, he's that hot a favorite this week for me. There's just it's not the the red hot iron that he had is just not quite as hot as it was. I, and when you look at previous winners. Of, of the tournaments, uh, you know, of this, this tournament, going back to kind of, you know, 
Dustin Johnson last year, Jordan Spieth, Martin Keimer, Justin Rose, Webb Simpson, Rory McIlroy, Graham McDowell, even Lucas Glover and then back to Angel Cabrera. There can be chances for the complete unknown to come through. The Eric Compton. Yeah, like it's Eric Compton, good example. Brandon Grace two years ago where much better known now, but maybe not so much Mm -hmm. back two years ago over in the States. There is a tendency on the US Open to, to find that somebody who maybe three or four shots back going into the weekend that no one's talking about, all of a sudden just starts making moves. And, you know, can you see somebody out of that field? Like, you know... Come back to if, me. Come back to me on Friday evening after we <laughs> finish the second round. Like I can't even. Pre- we're trying to predict just the overall thing, but you know, it, it's hard to predict where, where somebody's going to be after two rounds. Like, well, let's take Rory, right? Yeah. So Rory's coming back. He he says he's a hundred percent better after the you know the ribs or the back or mm. whatever the latest ailment was. Jordan Spieth, you know, two, two winner two years ago, being a bit off the boil at majors over the last while, but showing a bit of form again. Mm-hmm. It, you know, either of those two, like, you know, you can make a case. We know we can always make a case or can turn up and you could blister this and win by 18 under and you will all be saying what an incredible week it was for. He could also miss the cut. Either side can be flipped. Do you personally see either of those two coming through this week and, and picking up the trophy? Uh, I feel speed hangs around, but ultimately kind of hovers around the 10th place. Um I find I find it hard to kind of put my put my eggs in his basket or whatever because it just annoys me a little bit. Uh, the, the, the ball talking or the moaning about the ball or whatever. Anyway, that's aside from that. I can see him hovering in the tenth. Rory. Um, my conspiracy theory is that Rory wasn't injured at all. He wanted to go off and get his gear dialed in for a couple of weeks. And uh, if that was the case, then great. If he was injured, then. You know, it's either a convenience that he's back perfectly in time at one hundred percent for the U.S. Open, or and his medical team are just wizards, or b he's not quite one hundred percent and he's coming back just a little bit early, but it's a major, so you know, um, he's going to be able, if he is fit or pretty close to fit, and the wind doesn't howl too much, which it's you know it looks like it's you know fifteen kilometers an hour, twenty kilometers an hour kind of tops at the moment, um. He can hit his driver a lot. He's driving the ball well. He's going to have a lot of very short clubs in his hands. Uh, and that's we a big know, advantage here. We know what he's like when he puts the short clubs in the hand. You know, it, it, it goes close. It, you know, well, like, His wedges haven't been amazing, but he's had a couple of weeks to work on them. So that could have helped him dial in his distances a bit. Um, what about the putting, though, for Rory? You know, three-putt avoidance, these are going to be, you know, fast. They're going to, you know, they're undulating at points. Rory has always had a little question mark over the last while about the putter. Well, he's got the, he's red, got the new he's got one, the red magic the, one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, back in the bag. That's like the we guaranteed winner. Have we seen this yet in tournament play by him? I don't think we have. I think he was still using the Scotty Cameron when he signed up to to TaylorMade. So this might be the first time out there with with this particular model. Model, um, like obviously he's gonna have to be pretty happy with it. He wouldn't put it in the bag if he wasn't. But is that a little question mark? Like. Sometimes you want to see them in game mode leading up even one week, two mm. weeks before. Well, he hasn't had that, so it is, it is what it is. And um, he probably would, He probably hasn't taken this decision lightly to put it in the bag. He's obviously done a good few hours of testing with it. and He's got a good feel. The thing is, the greens are this pure this week. It's going to help. It probably helped the mediocre putter more to hold more putts than it'll help the really good putters isolate themselves in the field by by making more putts so this this could be a good thing this week for him and having greens that aren't that super testing but out of the top four out of the big four i think jason day is looking the hottest prospect for a really good week out of his six appearances in the u.s open he's got five top tens three of those are two seconds and a fourth he has had a couple of nice performances recently. He's making some really good sounds, and he's you know his game is looking in good shape. He's hitting a lot of greens and fairways, and those you know the fairways this week will help. It's easier to hit more fairways this week because they're huge and wide. But greens and regulation is a stat that's really important this week because then you won't have to lean heavily on a creative short game from difficult and unusual situations where the runoffs are. So. Greens and regulation will be a huge stat this week. And then when green, the greens are not insanely sloped and they're running really pure, there's a chance to make more putts. So that's 
So I think that's the big stat this week, and he can hit the ball you know, enormously high in the air, which will help him stop it and attack particular parts of the green. So uh, I think of the top four, he's the one. I, if I was to say he'll finish top of those four, Jason Day is the guy for me. I, I think he tops those four. I don't think he wins it. And, and I'm mm. going to go back to where I was at the Masters, because until this guy wins, I was about to use another word there, until this guy wins... Uh, I'm going to continue to back him. He's in the form of his life. I'm going with Ricky Fowler again this week because I just think there's a guy who has a lot of the attributes. I think he's he's looked at Sergio. He's looked at guys who have won that, you know, oh, they still haven't won. Okay, he's won the players, but it's not a major and blah, blah, blah. I just have a feeling, again, like he, the Masters, he was pretty good at it. I just there's something that points all roads to Ricky Fowler again to me this week. This this is a we agree. I'm on Ricky Fowler. Wow, that is a that is a first. We should probably yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with the world now. Um, Twenty to one as well. You know, so good, <laughs> a decent price. Yeah, if you uh, shop around on uh, odds checker. You might get a sneaky little bit more. You might get there's twenty twos to be had in places. Um, there are some great offers on this week. We'll have a quick run through them towards the end of the show. But yeah, I think Ricky Fowler is, um, I think he's a brilliant shout. I was really annoyed that he was playing last week and then thrilled that he missed the cut. And I thought his missed cut was as a result of not playing poorly overall. It was just a few bad swings. And they cost him big, big scores on holes and he missed the cut. I was like, thank God he gets to go away, chill out, not worry about contending. In a tournament, on a course, it's very different from the one that they're going to be playing this week. He got to go fine-tune things with Butch and get his head in the right place for this. I, I think he's a brilliant shout. He can, he's a great wind player. He hits the ball plenty long. He's a brilliant putter. He can hit the ball high. He can shake the ball in the wind. We know he likes the test of challenging conditions. I, look, if this was a Hollywood movie, we'd know the ending already. And I, I think he might be that guy... To, to do it this week I hope he is well, um, he would be a very popular winner as well right wind likes a good kind of linksy course should we be putting a few quid on Shane Lowry this week as another player who you mm-hmm. know he, he's he loves playing over there the crowd loves him he to me my only concern about Shane Lowry is is lasting four rounds in heat and humidity I just find that this point in in a couple of the rounds where he just looks I don't want to say unfit because I think that's unfair to him but I just don't know whether or not the heat he could be a little bit fitter well yeah he's not I just don't know if he I I don't think it's fitness I just think it's his Irish unfortunate propensity not to, to to like or to be the best player he can be in in heat and humidity. Yeah, his engine doesn't run optimally after a number of hours in the heat or over, mm. over a few days. I look to think the thing that's in his favour with his heat is there's going to be a wind there this week, so it's not going to be a dead heat that just slowly kind of saunas you into and cooks you. There's going to be something there to help kind of pass the air of him. He's in. He's had a couple of great performances recently. He's driving the ball beautifully. His social media is good about the course. Says he loves it. Wind player. Um, one of the things I noticed just from a, my own personal eye kind of feel about the course by looking at it and looking at the flyer of the holes and with the wind direction this week it feels like a draw shape off the tee helps more than a fade shape does so a right to left for a right handed player and he he hits that he's got a magnificent short game as we all know and uh, good creativity around these greens for when he does miss them and sometimes I find when the rain hits at majors, particularly in the States, it favours European players mm-hmm. who are a bit more used to having to put the wet gear on. Yeah. Because it's rare enough that you see, because the PGA tend to follow the sunshine through mm-hmm. their tour season, normally when they're stopped playing, it's because of thunderstorms. Yeah. They don't put on the wet gear at the same level as, say, the Europeans do. And I just wonder, someone like Shane Lowry knows that if it's rain and wind and miserable that he can still grind out a score because he was doing it on the the fairways of of irish it's golf fine. courses for for the whole of his infancy he, he probably smiles and happens and thinks great i'm two or three shots better than the rest of the most of the guys in this field and that could be the difference yeah you know, that that could be and the difference between in that one round that could be it 
I think he's a great shade, and he's also got that little bit of kind of redemption redemption factor over last year's final round seventy six. He, he probably feels like he let that one go. You know, seventy two would have done it. He would have won by one shot. So there's a there's a lot of good things lining up from here. John Ram. Yeah, is there anything he can't do? Well, he can hit a three sixty, no problem. Um, the I don't know. He's had a couple of whoopsies recently that you just we didn't expect to see. But then again, he's only like what twenty one, twenty two years old. I saw him at the Sky Cart last week, you know, and he made the point like I'm, I'm, I'm. I seem to be talking to you about you know being in contention quite often, and it's true. Like he is, mm-hmm. you, you know, we people talk about Matt Kuchar and these guys who are kind of perennial around the top ten, top fifteen. There's a guy who it wouldn't be a surprise to see go through this week and win, you know, just by pure form over the last number of weeks. Yeah. And if he can keep those, as you say, the whoopsies or the little mistakes off it, you know, and put, put four rounds together. He's a magnificent golfer. And I don't think anybody would bat an eyelid if he was, lift, if he was lifting the trophy on Sunday. Um, what can you like? What more can you say about him? Well, he's just a superb talent, and um, he it looks like he really feels comfortable out there facing off against the biggest guys in the game. And uh, he'll, uh, I think, he'll, I think he's he's got the kind of the bravado of youth. He's not going to care that he's had a couple of bad rounds recently or a miscut there two weeks ago. He's like, okay, it's U.S. Open, let's go. I, I, and he's he, he's just yeah, he's got this exuberance of youth. Let's go to the other side of that. Um, a guy who doesn't overly show emotion as much. Uh, the current Masters winner, um, Sergio, 25 to 1. The hangover of the Masters, um, balanced hope. to yeah. the uh, exuberance of going into the major and uh, the next major for the first time ever being a major champion, current major Masters, Masters champion. Um, Walking clearly two or three steps, you know, striding a little bit more purposefully, has more belief now. The monkey's off his back. Could he do a Jordan Spieth and become a player that wins, you know, himself? And I think Tiger Woods are one of the only people in the modern era that has won the Masters and the US Open. Is he the kind of player? Does the putting hold up for you in terms of, you know, this course? I'm not going to, I'm not worried too much about putting this week. Um... I like I said, I could go with I'm going with my greens regulation and the draw shape off the tee and Sergio can really flight the ball down off the tee and he can hit towering shots coming in. You know, his his little flurry of three tournaments there uh, a few weeks ago, he finished thirtieth, twentieth and twelfth. He's got some good results in the US Open. Um it's I get, it's a ball strikers course and putter night might not be overly important this week. I mean you can't have a terrible week with the putter, but you know, I don't think you have to have a ridiculous week with the putters to contend well. He could get in there. And his master's jacket's worth a few shots to him this week because of the confidence factor alone. Uh, and and, and yeah. even when he gets called on to the tee as the current master's champion, Sergio Garcia, that's going to make you feel a little bit more first, enjoyable. First drive, first, might, uh, first drive might be a bit juiced. <laughs> yeah. I, I could spend another hour or two hours with you going through as we do most times. We've looked at some of the big names and... Um, is there any of the other big names that I haven't before I ask you the kind of the general question of who else? Who else? You know, the likes of Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Matsyama, Adam Scott, any of those guys, you know, that, that, that kind of step out for you to say, yeah, that's one I'm looking at? Or is it much further down in the field that you're saying, actually, do you know what? There's a few guys, you know, Alexander Naren is somebody that I'm keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. Is there somebody like that that would be more beneficial to give a few minutes to talk to um i don't know look I, we could go through them all okay let's go i i think justin rose is probably just a little bit off the boil coming back to us open though could help him feel well matsuyama just hasn't been really on fire in 2017 since his amazing run at the end of last year i think i just don't think he pulls it all together this week henrik stenson us open records not stunning and i still think there just might be he might be just carrying a small little niggle of an injury somewhere it just it's don't. not stopping you putting 100 quid on him to win <laughs> I, I actually have not backed stenson this wow. week wow um, back henrik stenson lads he's gonna it, win I, this it, week it, it could happen yeah and um, i just don't think he's something just doesn't feel like it's not right i think we might find out something later in the year that you might go for surgery or some it just doesn't it's just not quite there um Brooks Kepka. Uh 
Brooks has played here before and when the US amateur was there and that's a small little advantage in, in knowing the course. Uh, you just Well, you, you he failed w- to qualify for the match place, so yeah. it might not be the greatest mm-hmm. uh, um, he didn't he didn't go deep. Justin Thomas Harris English, Russell Henley, they, they all went relatively deep. Jordan Spieth quarter finalist on that occasion and uh, Kelly Kraft won it. Peter Uline as well. Um Bryson DeChambeau, um, is he even playing this he week? He is, but he's gone off the boil quite a bit this year. Um, it's because he tinkers with everything. Yeah, yeah. He's well, look, Brooks could go very well. He's got you know three good performances the last three years in the US Open, uh, showing his versatility. He hits the ball a mile. He uh, It's about can he convert his good positions he gets himself, in, his, himself into. Adam Scott played very well last week. Ball strikers course, you know, and... Um, he seems to just pop up, and he seems to be able to time his form pretty well around the majors. Brandon Gray is going to be very popular this week. Uh, he practices on a really long and windy golf course in Fancourt in South Africa, and he's shown in the last couple of years in the U.S. Open that he can really mix it. Uh, he's he's got a lot of the skills you need to contend around here, and he'll be. He'll be very well backed, and he is. He has been very well backed and quite popular. Justin Thomas has won a couple of times this year. Um, he's you know fourth couple of weeks ago. I worry whether he has the. Uh, he's the kind of a person that you you know in terms of the caddy we're talking about needs to learn how to stay a little bit calmer on the course, and a, a test like the U.S. Open might push him over the edge for that little bit longer than is necessary. Um, he seems to hang on to his anger and his frustration on the golf course uh, a little bit too long. So, yeah, he, he you know he's plenty long with all the right skills. Can if his caddy can keep his head cool, he can figure in the mix. And um, where okay, we 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 can go through the whole field. So, Alex Noren, uh, we saw what he did last year with a really amazing run of four wins and thirteen events. He's won three weeks ago. He's a good wind player. This this could be, and it's not a non-traditional U.S. test, so this could be one that would suit him quite well. He doesn't, he hasn't got a great record in his uh, previous U.S. Opens, but they have been very different styles of golf course to this. And again, a player who knows how to play in bad weather, in mm-hmm. wind, and and all of that. So yeah. a guy who, because uh, you know, when we talk about playing in bad weather, I know these guys are pros, but if we take it down a notch to when we as amateurs and people who are listening to us. They they know themselves that you know when you put all the wet gear on, and your hands are a bit colder, it becomes a hell of a lot more difficult. There isn't a difference between us having that problem and guys who aren't used to it, you know, and that's why this the weather mm-hmm. might be a factor for guys. So like someone like Naren, who is used to that kind of slightly colder, kind of wetter conditions, yeah. is is something that might be in the European advantage over say the US players. Yeah, look, I mean, Thomas Peters heading over this week. First U.S. Open has had fun playing over in the U.S. You know, we saw him in, embrace the Ryder Cup. So, um, you know, he could easily go well. Hits the ball a mile, and that's going to help this week. If you can drive the ball well, you're going to put yourself in a good position to hit a lot of greens, and that that'll keep you in the hunt a long way along. So, look, let's let's start narrowing this down to two or three players. That we're looking at, we're agreed on Ricky Fowler. Agreed on Ricky Fowler. As much as we both hate to admit it, we agreed on something. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't mind agree. <laughs> agreeing on Ricky Fowler. I just Shane, don't like living in a world that I agree with you. Shane Lowry. Yeah, I, I think Shane Lowry, for, for the price, is a guy who, especially at, at eight places, and we'll come on to that in a minute of other kind of uh, options out there, I, I definitely have him in my stable this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those two were agreed. Outside of that... This is uh, this is where we may differ. Uh, who's your third? And fourth, and fifth, and sixth, and seventh. Yeah, the problem. <laughs> yeah, going going into a big tournament like this, I kind of contend to get overexcited and going, "Oh, I need to add him, and I need to add him, and I need to add him." There's so many quality golfers in the field. I let's go with a couple of big outsiders because you do get a couple of these guys showing up in the U.S. Opens. That does kind of promote, give those fairy tale stories and. Um, one that'll be interesting this week, right? So I think I swear to God, I think this guy's like a vampire and just sleeps between majors and shows up and performs well. Mark Leishman, he just seems to disappear between majors. Comes out, has he's a big he's a big game he's a big event player, and he's available around the place about a hundred to one. 
So he is a very interesting bet this week. He he's just got a great game, and you know, for a hundred to one, I'm happy to take him on. Some bookies are offering eight places, so uh, that's that's a that's a fun bet for me. Well, I'm going to go slightly shorter than that, um, and I'm between Jason Duffner and Francisco Molinari as as kind of my third in that if you kind of are looking at the the different sections Mm -hmm. i'm between either of those two at the moment i think duffner's form um i think he won't get too pissed off if he hits a bad shot in terms of you know you'd never see him get up and down and i think that there may be those times where sometimes a bogey is actually going to be a par on a few of these holes this week where where he's going to not get flustered at hey look you know a a bogey is, is par on this for everybody today, so I'm happy. I don't know, like Molinari, there's just something that draws me towards him. I don't know what. I, I'm, you know what the way I do this. I sure, do a lot sure. of gut kind of betting. No, and, uh, do you know what? He's, his stats over in the States this year are absolutely phenomenal. He is hitting so many greens in regulation. He, again, he's one that seems reasonably calm and can handle you know the adversity thrown at you by a US Open. He's, you know, with eight places available, what what odds can you get Molinari at there? 80 to 1. That's lovely. You know, you get 50 the odds, you get like 16 to 1 for a top eight. That's nice. That's better odds than you're getting Rory or Jason Day or Jordan Spieth. And all Molinari has to do is finish top eight. And and the great thing is that because it's going to eight, eight, you know, or whatever, and some might be even, you know, better than that, there is a chance that a guy, he might not contend. He might end up being one one over a level mm. for the week and still be top eight. He could backdoor you know, like, back with a good can, round on Sunday and make a top eight and you could make more money off an each way bet than you could off backing the winner if, if the winner is a short price guy. You know, you could pick a hundred to one guy and he finishes in eighth place and you could make more money off him than you could have backed by backing Jason Day, Jordan's, Jordan Spieth, McElroy or Dustin Johnson. What and about that's, a, that's, a, that's a fun thing that can happen. You know, It keeps you interested a bit deeper into the tournament than just the top of the leaderboard. And what about a guy like you know David Lingmurth? You know, it's 170-something, 175 to 1. Bobby mentioned him. Uh, Bobby used to be on the show, mentioned Lingmurth as one of his outside picks. That's, because I kind of take a couple of, you know, into each of the sections and mm. He's the one that I'm the kind of looking at that kind of 150 outwards is a realistic chance. Uh, so it's nice to know that great minds think alike and idiots seldom differ between myself and Both Bobby. are applicable, yeah. And yeah. um, I, do you know, one that, one that interests me this week is Billy Horschel. He's 100 to 1. He's won a few weeks ago. And if everybody remembers Billy's uh, run in the FedEx series a couple of years, was it two or three years ago? When Billy gets hot, he stays hot. Um, his his temperament is you know a little bit uh, against him, and um, you know the U.S. Open could probably set him off like the volcano that he can be. Um, but you know that's built into the price of a hundred to one. So happy to have a little fun on him. Uh, one who's one in your one fifty kind of range I like is Bjorn Hunan. He mm-hmm. has I don't think he's missed a cut this year in the. Where are we? Just checking his odds. He's missed one cut, and that was in the pairs event down in New Orleans. Other than that, he's got an eighth, a fifth, a twenty-fourth, and a twenty-fifth in his last four events here. He also played here in twenty eleven. Did he? Yeah. Interesting. So that really helps him. His stats. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Did do well. Qualify to the match play, but hey, he's played it. So a little bit of experience helps. He finished twenty third last year in the U.S. Open, so he's getting more and more comfortable playing in the states. He's a green and regulation monster. Um, and at a hundred, I got him at one hundred and seventy on the Betfair exchange. So that's that's brilliant. I'm I'm smiling with that bet. My, f- do you have any other late late outs? I've got one more. I'll hold him in reserve if you have anyone no, else. No, not really. Like I was just looking down at the. Uh, sometimes it's kind of funny just to look at the kind of guys who are holding up the rear. Um, I I assume Davis Love the fourth is son of uh, Davis Love the third. And Davis Love is a uh, caddying firm. Is he? Yeah, a thousand to one. Um. So uh, yeah, like sometimes I'm just uh, I'm kind of just looking down. There's a lot of thousand to ones this week. Uh, Mark Doherty, uh, sorry, Ke- Kevin Doherty. There's like players that you never even heard of, but uh, um, yeah, it's it's just a bit of fun looking down. <laughs> Start at the bottom and work up. And look, there's a load of great stories in the US Open because of 
it is such a it has such wide arms and how you can qualify for it. So you get the club pros and you get great stories and guys that just have gotten to this stage to compete against the best in the world. It's a massive achievement. It's their, it's their career achievement, and, well, and and they can go out with that great feeling. And if they make the cut, then you know they just like ride the good feeling, and they can be Roy McAvoy for the week or the, Happy Gilmore. There's, you know? there's a guy here who most people might know, Ernie Els, four hundred to one. You know, like you kind of think to yourself, it's probably worth a euro each way just to see. You know, like down the end, there's there's look, you could you can stick a dartboard in it. Uh, like Russell Knox there, two hundred and fifty to one, hasn't done an awful lot since uh, since the HSBC. But you know, Danny Willett, Jesus, like talk about a fall from grace, two hundred and fifty to one for him at the moment. Okay, there's a good few uh, people talking about this guy, Jordan uh, Nybruggy. He is a local to the area. That is N I E B R U G G E. If anybody is looking for it, that's it. And the year Paul Dunn did well in the Open, Georgia, he finished sixth. Mm. He is Steve. Uh, Steve Bamford was telling me he's playing on a, a tour, I think, in Canada. He's local to the area. He finished fourth in the kind of a, an invitation event they had here a couple of years ago. He's going to have his own personal fan club going around there this week. Um, I have had uh, a bet on him. He's available at 300 to 1, uh, widely available at that price. And I've also had a bet on him for a first round leader market because he's off very first thing on Thursday morning when the conditions look at their most calm. And, you know, uh, again, at high odds for that, I thought it was worth a little fun on a first round leader market. So that is, that's my super outsider. And we've probably missed two or three who are going to show up in the top 20 uh, by the end of the yeah. week and there'll be you know there'll be a good story in behind it that we'll only find out in hindsight the, uh, that's that's one of the cool cooler things about the US Open one of the interesting things and I'd recommend people before they bet go on to golfbettingsystems.co.uk um, and one of the interesting stats that through that that kind of stuck out to me was where this is obviously a bent grass uh, course mm-hmm. and uh, there's a breakdown of bent grass PGA Tour victories in the field since 2008 Rory McIlroy Steve Stricker lead it with 6 Zach Johnson Justin Rose with 5 Jason Day Dustin Johnson Webb Simpson Jordan Spieth Bubba Watson with 4 and Matt Kuchar and Adam Scott with 3 you know so that might be something interesting to look at in terms of mm. you know kind of looking for a bit of value in, in the depth looking at guys who have won previously on bent, uh, bent grass PGA events. And, you know, because there can be a huge difference. Some people love it, some people hate it. Uh, but it's an interesting... Uh, uh, Ling- a, Lingmirth is there, uh, thankfully. Uh, there we go. And it's a good read written by, by Steve. Um, there's a few, you know, a few links, like a bit of recent form seems very important for US Open because you're going to an unknown track, it's not like they can rely on the good vibes of a, a, a golf course that they've visited before. So um, some recent form will really help a lot. Uh, ability to play on courses that have some sort of similarities. Like, so somebody's played well in Whistling Straits before. Pinehurst number two, the 2014 US Open, where the greens were shaved around the sides. Augusta National, plenty of undulations, ups and downs in the course, shaved off the greens. So you have to get a bit creative with your short game. There's a little bit of uh, similarities there. So... You know, look at looking for links that can help you try and narrow down a field that has, a, you know, unbelievable quality and depth. It is you can see how hard it is for us to pick because we we talk about every player. You can talk about twenty or thirty or forty players and give them all a good chance and make a good case for them all. And the reality is, because this course is unknown, it's what makes the likes of the Masters an easier ish oh, one to to predict. And even when we look at the Open Championship, we know five years ago where they were four years mm. ago and it makes life a little easier for us this is a total unknown there could be a guy who just turns up on day one and absolutely loves it and just suits his eyes suits his game plays well gets on a roll and all of a sudden come sunday afternoon you're kind of going oh yeah jeez that makes a lot of sense that he'd yeah. be around or never even heard of him <laughs> uh, yeah i think you're right i think the the hindsight will have hit will hit a lot of people this week. They'll sit there afterwards and go, Do you know what? I should have seen all the signs pointing towards him. And it, I just hope for our sake that doesn't hit us. Like. It's probably more of a tournament that a lot of small bets rather than a couple of big bets is nearly a better strategy this week for betting. I like, do you know I'm, 
I think that could be a good shout because if you if you back, go with one of the bookies that has eight places available, you can pick quite a number of guys at higher odds, and, and you've got a few guys in the mix, and then you know one or two will fall away. That's guaranteed. You're not going to pick perfectly. We could have a couple of guys in there, and they might have a chance of winning if they're in the, if they're if they're getting into the top eight, and you could get a winner at very nice odds. But at the very least, you might get a place money, and you know, cover all your bets and make a bit of profit. Because there's no point in putting ten or twenty quid on Dustin Johnson to win or each way right now, because the field is so open. Spreading that across, you know, if if, if that's the preferred way, because it's not like there is a player that's so far ahead right now. It is. It is so hard to predict who's mm. going to be picking this trophy up on on Sunday. I, 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 you know, I think I think that's a good shout, and it it just gives you a little bit more fun. Um, so just and we've talked a little bit about betting here. Myself, uh, I was look um, invited onto the golf betting system podcast. You were moonlighting. I was moonlighting. Of course, I was. Yeah. Um, with to uh, I was with Steve Bamford and that was released on their podcast channel. I'm also on Podbean and iTunes and uh, TuneIn, and that was released first thing this morning. Today is Tuesday, the thirteenth of June. So Steve, um, with his ridiculous knowledge and statistical breakdown of the course, we went a little bit more. Well, he went a little bit more in depth into it than we could possibly do here, and I tried to add my tokens worth there, but. That's uh, we'll tweet out the link to that. I think I might have retweeted already. We'll keep plugging that. So that's all their stats are free. They're available on their website, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. They have a tips page. They have a statistical model where you can input various factors, which gives you a predictor for uh, for how well a guy will do based on those factors. They have current form and tournament form. Paul Williams, Steve's uh, partner in crime there, has done a first-round leader on long shots betting. So uh, the guys are golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Steve's on Twitter is at Bamford Golf, and Paul is on Twitter at golfbetting. So uh, that's a good listen if somebody wants a little bit more in-depth and more Steve and less Barry, I guess. And we are at a good talk golf. We are indeed. And I think we should wrap it up. And I should say thank you to Barry. Cheers, James. Thank Good you show. to all the listeners. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend, uh, both for us playing it and watching the golf. So if you are playing, enjoy it. Let us know what you think, what your tips are for the week at A Good Talk Golf is the Twitter handle. And uh, we will know this time next week who is the US Open champion. Bye, Barry, Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.